0: You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. All right, good morning, good morning, In Focus family. Wow, you guys awake yet? Good morning. (laughs) I get it. You need a little more coffee, a little more time in God's presence. I am super, super duper excited uh, to be here with you guys and uh, always grateful for the opportunity to share the word. I would like to to shout out our, our missions team, Pastor Brent and Carla, and all those who are going out to, to yeah. Um, God is doing tremendous, tremendous things. And uh, I had the privilege also this, this weekend to be with you guys, creative team, uh, for a couple hours yesterday. And I just want to say, and I don't know if you, if you are experiencing this personally, but God is up to something pretty significant. In and through the church, and um, the more we hear reports about, you know, revival and awakening in the church, I think that we should start to prepare our hearts with expectancy for something, uh, for God to do something fresh. And I really want us to to focus in today on a very very important topic. I know you guys have been in a series on sharing, you know, and going through the series of the things that you can share in your life, both with God and others. But I want to pray for us, and we're going to jump into a very important topic. We're going to be looking at the Old Testament today and looking at some New Testament passages. Let me just pray for us before we get in the Word. Father, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful for your presence. I'm grateful that we are able to worship, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what you did. I pray God that we would never lose that sense of wonder and awe, that the place where we should be least welcome is actually the place where we become most welcome. That God, you who are powerful, you who are glorious, you who are holy, would invite broken people into your presence to experience your power and glory and goodness. And Lord, I pray that the brief moments that we have in this word, that you would open our eyes to that reality in a fresh way. Sanctify us in the truth, Lord, for your word is truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so our text today will be from the book of Exodus. You can start to flip there or whatever you're you're using on your phone, which is a fascinating read about the nature of god and how he relates to his people and the life of worship and if you want a very thorough biblical history something that's really deep and rich and powerful i would highly recommend that you watch the prince of egypt <laughs> no i'm actually joking it, that's that's cute but i would actually highly recommend that you read the Bible and actually spent some time in Exodus. And so let me give you a quick overview of what happens in Exodus. So chapters 1 through 14, we get details of the life of the Israelites and their experience of slavery and the early life story of Moses and his calling to deliver God's people. And then we see this spiritual showdown, if I could use that word, between Pharaoh and Moses And God, in particular, who is the main character, and we find the Red Sea event. That's chapters 1 through 14. You get to chapters 15 through 19, and that's about God continuing to develop Moses in his leadership as he leads a rebellious and hard-hearted people, while also God miraculously providing for Moses and his people in the wilderness. As I said, this is a fascinating read with lots of details that you would not want to miss. So, I know I'm jumping over all that to get us to our main text and the area where we're going to focus our attention, but we reach this critical point in Exodus 19 where Moses and the people of God reach Mount Sinai. And up until this point, the Israelites have seen God perform just all kinds of miracles and deliver them and sustain them and lead them through the wilderness. And there's so many great details of God's miraculous exploits. But what he's trying to do is define, he's brought them to this mountain to define this worship relationship with them. And this begins with a very disturbing encounter in chapter 19, which, I'm not lying, is like something out of Avengers Endgame. Crazy. You see words in 19 like thunder and lightning and thick clouds and a loud trumpet blast that gets louder and louder and louder and a mountain that's covered with fire and smoke and is burning like a furnace and there's a massive earthquake. And then Moses says... People meet God. Come on out to the mountain and let's meet Him. <laughs> and they're standing at the bottom of this mountain, shaking like a lady. And so God calls Moses up, he meets with Moses, Moses brings Aaron up, and he starts to speak to Moses about his nature, his character, and his plans for this worship relationship with his people. And one of the significant points he makes in chapter 20, verse 5, is he says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. A jealous God. And then over the next 11 chapters... He's with Moses on this mountain, detailing this relationship, how the people are to relate with God, how they're to relate with one another, how they're to relate to the surrounding nations. And then Moses leaves this meeting, and we kind of know where the story takes a twist. He comes down the mountain after receiving these powerful instructions about this new worship relationship. And what does he find? He finds the people of God partying And singing and worshiping a golden calf. And Moses is pretty worked up because he's just been introduced to this jealous God, this powerful God, this God that makes mountains shake like a leaf coming down with these instructions and then finds the people breaking the very commandments that he had received well story goes on and god is pretty upset and but he is not unfaithful to his promises so he sends the people out and sends moses and says hey you go But Moses pleads with him, if your presence doesn't, doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. And then he renews his covenant. And that is what brings us to our key verse in Exodus 34 and 14, where God doubles down on this idea of him being jealous. Very simple. It says, for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Jealous. Jealous. You know, I've always assumed the meaning of jealous. Every time I've read this scripture, I've just assumed the meaning. Um, and mostly because I know what it feels like to be jealous. Jealous. When I was a kid, it was because someone had a video game that I didn't, and I was jealous. Maybe they had a gaming system that I didn't have, and I was jealous of them and hated their guts and wished they would die. I was was jealous. And in middle school, that was upgraded to being jealous because somebody had the Jordans that I didn't have, and I wanted them to die because I was jealous. And and then when I got to high school, it was because there was people who were more popular than me, and uh, there was a star athlete and maybe attracted certain girls that I might have liked, and I wanted them to die. I hated their guts, and it was because I was jealous. Jealous. Now, I'm sure when I use that word, there's all kinds of emotions that stir up for you. It may be memories that stir up for you. Jealousy is a powerful word. In most popular usage in the English language, it means feeling resentment against someone because of that person's rivalry, success, or advantages. And so when we hear this word, it's quite natural for us to take our own experiences and then superimpose it on the scriptures. Because surely when I see the word jealous in the Bible, it would be very similar to how I feel, what I experience, how I view the world. But in biblical language, it means, oh, it means so, so, so much more. And depending on how we define this word affects how we see God and how we define his expectation in our worship relationship with him. Here's a couple things to note when we think about this story and the fact that God has chosen to reveal his character more than once as being jealous. We saw it once in Exodus 20, verse 5, where he introduces himself as he explains the nature of this covenant to Moses. And he says, I am a jealous God. And we see that when the covenant is renewed, he doubles down on the same idea in chapter 34 and 14 by saying, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, capital J in the text, is also Jealous a jealous God, something interesting emerges as we think about this word jealous and how it informs how we see God and how we live a life of worship and relationship with him. The first is that God's jealousy is powerful. Far more powerful than anything that we could comprehend. Far more powerful Powerful than my emotion for the person that has the shoes that I want. Far more powerful than my desire to be the star athlete and the popular student. Far more powerful than anything that we could emote. As a matter of fact, the visual imagery of God revealing himself at Mount Sinai is that of an erupting volcano. Remember when I told you about this terrifying episode in Exodus 19? Thunder and lightning and fire descending down a mountain in thick clouds and dark smoke and an earthquake is the visual equivalent of the people walking out to an erupting volcano. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Over and over again in this Old Testament Passage after passage, it talks about the fiery zeal and affection that God has for his people. And this is just the tip of the iceberg as you see this visual image painted of this jealous God consuming a mountain as he engages his people. This whole idea. Picks up again in Deuteronomy in chapter 4, verses 24, and it says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The imagery of an erupting volcano. And I was sitting, this this was tough. I was sitting and just praying and reading this, and I'm like, God, this is This is scary. You're like an erupting volcano, are you, gonna, are you gonna kill me? Is lava gonna come down and come in my bedroom and burn my legs off? What if you're mad at me, are you gonna just bubble over and just consume me? But then I realized something, here's something interesting about volcanoes volcanoes if you could put this picture up this is the thing that's interesting about volcanoes is they are both the most dangerous place and the most fruitful place they've done scientific studies where they've shown that volcanic activity and the minerals that are produced from the volcanic activity of the eruption makes for the richest soil in many places on the face of the earth. So this incredible power That these people are experiencing in the imagery of this erupting volcano, yes, is dangerous, but oh my God, if we would just see God for who he is, how fruitful, how lush, how beautiful, how roots go down deep in the presence of this volcano how vegetation sprouts up all up to the precipice of this volcano. I don't know if you can see in this picture. Literally, the vegetation is going down the cliff into the lava area. The place that would seemingly be most dangerous is also the place of the greatest fruitfulness. for you shall worship no other god for the lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god this jealous god who is powerful was calling Moses and the people out into his presence not so they could be destroyed but so they could experience the awe inspiring power and to be his covenant people but they Couldn't get it. The other thing that we see about God's jealousy is that it is purifying. It's powerful, but it's also purifying. The God who burns with zeal and affection also purges us from our evil desires. In verse 11, just before we get to verse 14 in chapter 34, God mentions the surrounding nations, their false gods, and the temptation of the people of God to participate in their idolatry. And he says, I want to remove that from you. So what we realize is that our idolatrous ways cannot stand in his presence. In his powerful, fiery, loving presence, he purifies us, he crushes the enemies both outside but also within. The idolatrous desires cannot stand in the presence of this God whose name is jealous he is a jealous God and we see throughout the old and the new testament these pictures of God's fiery wrath and judgment and justice not just for the sake of destruction but for the sake of purification that even the adversities that we face are like fiery trials that come to test the genuineness of our faith. Comes to purge us and to renew us and to make us more in in the character and image of God. God's jealousy, purifying restoring. Going back to this this photo, if you could put it up again, you know, I realized something that to live at the base of a volcano is to embrace the fact that everything I am and all that I have could potentially be tested by fire. all of his fruitfulness and beauty the reality is this i'm still in the presence of something so unbelievably powerful and there's every day the possibility of being tested for you shall worship no other god for the lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god and lastly god's jealousy is holy 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 and this is where we quickly find out that we are nothing like because our jealousy is motivated by selfishness. How we compare ourselves to others and often some sense of disappointment or entitlement. We dislike someone else because of something they have and we don't, but God is not like us. He is set apart, he is morally perfect. He is self-sufficient. And so in his relationship with us, he is not motivated by what he doesn't have, but rather who he has made us to be and what he desires to give us. God is not saying, I'm so mad at the devil for deceiving my people and stealing them away. I'm so mad at him. And I'm jealous. Mm. Wish they would just come back and make me their God. That old devil, I hate him. Wish he'd die. Or I wish they would come back and it would make me feel so much better and I would be more like a real God if I just had those people that ran away from me. Hmm. If we were to use our definition, God does not feel resentment toward anyone because he doesn't have a rival. He does not envy anyone's success. And there is no one that has an advantage over him. Because he is holy, he is jealous for us, not jealous of someone else. You and I were not made to worship anyone or anything else, because to do so would be to live beneath the purpose for which we were created. We were made to live in an abundant life with a holy God in perfect love, experiencing his goodness that we might be a blessing to others. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Wow. Jealous. And we're just scratching the surface. And now we can see through God's eyes the people who are partying at the bottom of the mountain. Worshiping, singing, dancing around a golden calf. Jealous. And He judged those people. And so when we consider a God who is powerful and a God who is purifying and a God who is holy and we think about ourselves, we got a problem. (laughs) You got a problem. Got a problem. How do we resolve this tension? A God who is powerful and purifying and holy, who burns with jealousy at his very core, and his desire for people who are imperfect and impure and broken and lost and who dance around idols. Well, if you flip over to Hebrews, we get a little idea of this. And the writer of Hebrews actually picks up directly on this Mount Sinai event. This is what he says in chapter 12, starting at verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast, if even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. That word tremble in the original language is literally like convulsing, shaking like a leaf painting this picture of what's happening at Mount Sinai, but then it turns and it says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal, partying, gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Jumping over to verse 28, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that can't be shaken like that mountain. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire what we realize as we go over to the new testament is that the god who whose name is jealous the god who is jealous is also the god who is our mediator That's a legal term for someone who stands in the gap and restores our relationship with God by the sacrifice of Jesus. Look at the turn here. Rather than the party at the bottom of Mount Sinai where we're worshiping idols, it says, we are gathered with innumerable angels in festal gathering. Jesus invites us to a heavenly party in the city of God. And instead of worshiping for fear of God's jealousy, we worship in awe of Jesus. Verse 28, therefore, let us be grateful. Ah. Are you grateful today? I'm way too jealous of people sometimes to be grateful. miss what Jesus has done and the opportunity and the invitation that he makes to me for worship. I miss it <laughs> I spend so much time stomping my feet looking at whatever I did. <laughs> you to, Justin look at what I've invited you to, look at the angels gather, they're celebrating, they're celebrating because of redemption, celebrating because of the renewal and establishment of the family of God. He invites us to worship. Come on, come out of that. Stop dancing around those idols. Oh, if you just knew, I'm jealous for because of Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. He is our greater Moses. We come to the city of God, not to a fiery mountain. We come to the party with the angels. A dance of idolatry. As I conclude, I hope you are starting to get a glimpse of how God longs for you, how He longs for us, His zeal, His affection, His desire. I hope your heart is starting to be turned in his direction and away from the idolatrous evil. I hope the light is breaking in. And as I pray, wherever you are, maybe you've not looked to Jesus as your mediator. Maybe you have and you've just lost that sense of God's desire for you. Pray that you would do some business with him as we pray. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.